I always dated people from from out of state. So oh, I would either do oh, really? like Brazil, Miami, New York. Brazil? <laughs> yeah. Girl, what you doing with somebody on the other side of the equator? Well, that'll be for another podcast. A dose of D. <laughs> a dose of D. <laughs> Let me tell you. A, D. a dose of D, Daniel. A dose of long D, Capital D. Welcome to The Gaily Dose, the weekly podcast made for and by gay men and their allies. We're a podcast with a mission, elevated conversation with the hopes of building a deeper sense of community in the gay world. Shall it's time to come take your Gaily Dose. Hello, welcome to The Gaily Dose. This is Helmut Lucero Domogolski. I'm here with my friends. Dante Rhodes, back at it and ready to have fun with you girls. <laughs> yes. What's up? It's Bennett Schneider. And we are so excited today to talk to you about a dose of gay lifestyle with Daniel Martini. There she is. Hello, 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 everyone. Again, my name is Daniel Martini, and it is such a pleasure to be with you three chaps today. Girl. Not a chap, honey. Yeah. Adults. Very surreal because I've been listening to you guys for over the last three, four months. Stop it. Stop it. I love it. The infrastructure, it's very beautiful and quite legit, I must say. Right? We we have a a true mixing board and everything. I know. (laughs) I didn't know Bennett was going to be DJing or not. (laughs) (laughs) Not DJ Bennett, child. (laughs) Well, you guys know at the dose, um, we're really a big, big focus on um, connecting and making community through discussions in the gay world community and uh, community and <laughs> um, you know check us out check us out on social the gaily dose pod or at thegailydose.com to read our blogs and and more about us but what's awesome about Daniel is that Daniel is not only just a fantastic person but also has been a friend of the dose from before we were the dose um, you um, actually a close by neighbor Mm-hmm. Um, having lived close right up the to street. the house here, you know my girls really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I uh, think you actually started coming over here first at a little party, and then you wound up becoming a member of the game night. I was the OG originator of the game night, right? Yes, us, uh, myself, and three other people. Yeah, the game night that turned into the Q and A night, that night turned into, into the Q and A. Right? Yeah, it exactly. sounds full circle. It, it was, grew it from was... four members to there would be about fifteen or twenty gay men. Ellen. Um, one uh, 150 square foot room. A 150 square foot room, and everyone was so receptive to it. And crying it was the and first laughing. And... Attempt, I think, that everyone, or chance that everyone's had to really ask a serious question beyond surface level and really have the time and the space to. to tell their story yeah. in a yeah. controlled environment That's so it was beautiful. a really beautiful thing yeah. and yeah. I love that it has grown into this yeah, podcast because people um, all over the world especially someone from my upbringing that is probably sitting here on Spotify or wherever channel you're streaming through and to hear other gay men go through their experiences is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, so you guys do the Lord's work. Oh, you're Aww. the best. Well, we're excited to tell your story today. Oh, Lord. Okay, we perfect. Are. Well, look at that, honey. So here at the Gaily Dolls, we have a little handshake we do, and that is basically your coming out story. So go ahead and give the dolls a little look into what it was like for Daniel Martini to come out of the closet, honey. So my coming out of the closet was pretty, um, pretty calm, actually. So a little bit of backstory about me. I'm from Chickamauga, Georgia, um, which if you don't know, Chicka what? Chickamauga, 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 Georgia, which is just underneath Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, if you are anywhere from the 
uh, North Georgia area, I'll always uh, do say Chickamauga, and if you're not, I'll just say Chattanooga, Tennessee, just to have that whole, where that is Chickamauga from. Um, so, um, growing up on a small town horse farm, um, graduating high school class was about, I would say, 80 people total. What the fuck? And it was amazing? a very, yeah. very, very small town. And um, I was the only Italian American in there, um, second generation, so bushy eyebrows, big lips, big nose, hadn't grown fully into my sideburns yet. Big could she make could she make pasta? She could make the best <laughs> pasta. So manicotti is uh, my favorite dish to make low key. So anybody out there that wants to yeah, surprise me, just make me some manicotti. I, can't um, I thought never, you'd be making me the manicotti. Was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's almost lunchtime. You need to get in the kitchen. Okay, it's going to take me about four hours. So. I make a good manicotti. Um, but anyways, back to your question. So my coming out story um, was, you know, tale as old as time. The, that was when the ripe old internet came out. And so, oh, my, she was on manhunt. Oh my god, my poor grandmother! <laughs> I would sneak these websites onto her computer, and little did I know that if I could just, you know, delete the cookies, I thought I would be all good. Oh, the and cookies! So honey. apparently, that's not how it worked. So we shifted the blame around from my aunt, and that really didn't make any sense to the housekeepers, <laughs> and they were like, "Ah, oh, sorry, that's not our housekeepers." Mm-hmm. John, yeah. Hey, John... he was creative. He got to yeah. be. You were blaming everybody on... Not the aunt. Oh. Wait, you blamed the aunt. Like... We passed it around. I was like, it's not me. It's not me. And for some Fake reason... Facebook.com. It was, it was Aunt Barbara. Like, girl. Oh, and on the gay website? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. And so, so finally, <laughs> it came back to me. And so... Um, so that was kind of really the first... Oh, so it was literally your internet history that... That added. was the internet history that was just kind of... Um, the red flag and then with school it's the rainbow flag girl with school, I was, <laughs> my, mine actually my the mine actually was similar but it, she, it didn't come out it came out later that she was like i did see some gay porn on there but you know you know teenagers experiment and i was like oh, i don't know about yeah that. i don't know about that <laughs> but my mom was very um i guess naive about it and just wasn't just didn't want to accept it and then so going through middle school um, I was overweight, very insecure, hung out with the lunch ladies, always the disenfranchised weird kid in the back of the room. I would just clamor to them and be like, we're going to be great friends. And so having a lot of girlfriends growing up, everyone was just like, what? There's something that's going on. You're not dating any of them, but you're good friends with them. And then um, I think it was the summer of my senior year. I was sitting uh, with a couple of girlfriends and we were drinking and whatnot and then finally they were just like daniel do it daniel do it and this was back when the flip phone razors came out. yes that was yes. my favorite was phone pink. you have the, it in pink the flip phone no i and had I, the charcoal I, gray i did too charcoal gray i wanted the pink i got the pink. so bad you, you were just too far in the closet i was just you too far in the, the closet oh, like, oh my god but that's like oh my gray. god not the pink oh that's like gray was fire though. right i, was, I agree I that's so the one i had there was silver gray and then there was silver gray and i got away with saying that it was for breast cancer awareness i had my company issued i had my company issued new Kia, we didn't have lip phones. No. Oh yeah, your company. We're <laughs> yeah, all like, yeah. oh, we're super young. Yeah, I was like, I had a company <laughs> like, I'm already in the workforce. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, muscled up the balls to send her a text message, and I was like, hey, I just want you to know something. I am, I'm gay. And just five seconds later, she was like, can we please talk about this in person? And we had a really great chat, and it was a lot of tears and a lot of 
just a lot of built up anxiety and resentment that I carried like a cross with me for a long time. And um, is it because you couldn't be yourself or because was your family not like you didn't think your family would be understanding? No, I actually had nothing to do with my family because my mom and dad were always super cool. Yeah. Very progressive living in a small town. Even they were still just kind of like leaps and bounds ahead of everybody Everybody else. else. And because of that, you know, you're a byproduct of your environment. So I was exposed to. Um, you know, artists like Tina Turner, In Vogue, Escape, Janet right. Jackson. I would listen to country. And Chickamauga, like back then. Back, okay. Yeah, back then. My they mom. She got some oh, soul, honey. Cool. So they, <laughs> in a sense that like geographically were not progressive, but we yeah. had two parents. European. You're European that influence were in too. There, that were in there and they were just, they wouldn't subscribe to that kind of traditional, mm-hmm. traditional kind of like mantra of what it is to be macho. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Now, I was, I think, 16 when I like shot up, got big, was taller than everybody else. And so that's when kind of like the bullying and everything like that really subsided. kind of subsided and I could kind of come up for air and catch a break. But at that point, I was already on a different planet. I was yeah. just like, I'm going to be here for another, you know, two, three years tops yeah. and then I'm out. So I always knew that this was not my yeah. destiny or future. Yeah. I, I would just a, a point of reflection. I think that this story of like having a small town route is so common for people that are listening that aren't in the uh, from Atlanta. Atlanta, we're the capital of the South, yeah. right? So, so mm-hmm. many from Alabama, Tennessee, yep. Carolinas, they come here. Come to Atlanta, um, right? But yeah. they often have very similar stories. And what I think is awesome is if you notice, it was um, the influence of the internet. And music right. and ways that the big city kind of il- infiltrated guess. his yeah, life, right. even in Chickamauga, right? Exactly. And then it also does speak to our mission of that one boy, like reaching that one boy who might be struggling with his sexuality in these small towns in around the country and around the globe as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just if I could say anything to those people out there that are just on the fence, um, you have it a lot better in 2021. But still, that pressure—it's almost—it comes internally now. It's inherent, you know, because yeah. it is—it is—it is more so psychological than it is kind of uh, about your, you know, surrounding and what's on TV. Because in 2004, the only real gay characters that you had were—and this is when Will and Grace were coming on the scene. Mm-hmm. So that was a beautiful thing. But even pre that, it was always. It was always a negative connotation yes. that was wrapped around the gay character. Yep. They were always like super flamboyant, or they were going through some the health villain. issues. They were, yeah, the villain. Yeah, they, they were the villain, and they, they were obviously were, drawn as antagonists, and they were almost the almost seen as kind of like a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a really great for punchlines. They really never had their own storyline, and so. Um, and they were stereotypes and, as well. And, and they were stereotyped and they were, and they were super feminine and, yeah. and don't even get me started on masculine versus feminine feminine and, and what it has done to this a pop culture and be specifically the gay community. Yes. Because that just makes me sick. You know, you can be flamboyant, you can paint your fingernails, you know, yes. as, as someone that's I'm six surprised one, your toes aren't painted today. As some, as, <laughs> you know, as someone was, that is six one and 220 pounds, do whatever the 
you want to do. <laughs> Cheers to that. Bitch. I love how he edits yes. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That helps me out. Do whatever you want to do because I, when I was in Cancun um, last weekend, I saw um, a couple straight guys with their nails painted. Yeah, their, I, their I, toenails. You would have noticed the details on the straight man, child. Oh yeah. God. Hey, listen. Call Don't me. call me out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Call me. Um, but it's funny. I actually always have that association. One of my fondest memories of you, just as a as a fellow homo is that uh, you do wear your femininity right alongside your masculinity and you've made me just by being around other people that are like that you get more confident i have a couple friends like you that are just those people that make me hey you know what i'm yeah. gonna let my flag fly yeah. and it can be any kind of way it is that day i agree with that as well um i feel like i used to code switch like depending on who i'm around i'm gonna be more masculine more feminine and i feel like as i grow the more i'm okay with being both like yeah. i'm just me like you know it's interesting because growing up i i was just always like very very as i've talked on here before like very very feminine i could not hide it so like code switching was not my thing and by the time i got to like high school when i was aware that like maybe it could, it could be for the best for certain things um, it was too late, bitch. Like, my Adam's apple came in and bitch. <laughs> she, she never made herself known. It was too late, um, bitch. She never, she, she kind of came in and didn't do the damn thing. So. Well, it just, and also really quickly about being masculine or feminine, I think the older that you get, and I mean, I guess I've had the luxury of it, but I have never really cared about what other people think. And at the Helmet, I've known you for a very long time. Bennett, I've known you for... A very long time. Dante, I'm just now getting the pleasure of knowing you, and I think you are a fabouche. Oh, but, thank um, you, fabouche. But um, nobody cares. At the end of the day, nobody cares. And this whole, are you masculine, are you feminine, yeah. It's if you can just have just a shred of confidence, it's just, it's such a facade. It's such bullshit. Mm -hmm. And um, don't subscribe to it. And I'm going to add one comment, and this is just... Um, because I literally was talking about this with a 76-year-old homo. And um, and his <laughs> reminder, his reminder <laughs> to me and to us was, remember, we couldn't do that. We had to keep it in yeah. because we lose our jobs. And if you lost your job, you you know, or you could get court-martialed, or like there were things, really, really big implications. And the one thing I always remember is let's enjoy this uh, gift that mm -hmm. we've been given from our forefathers, so to speak. But let's also keep preserving it and keep um, keep making sure that we are political and that we do maintain and keep our rights, not only here, but the rest of the world. There are a lot of other parts of the world that don't. And I know that's very intense for that topic. Yeah. But I, I love that we can do it. Yeah. And I just think we want, we, for our people across the globe, it's not always that way. So we definitely need to keep at it because those before us kept at it for us and we can do it for them. Yeah, the people that kept at it before or the people that laid the groundwork, the pioneers, you know, I could only imagine what they were going through, you know, not being able yeah. to go out to clubs, bars, or doing it at like speakeasies and underground, you know, my kind of coming out was in 2000 and I guess 2002, 2003. So that was really kind of like the turn of the millennia and you could just see people start you could incorporating it. like boy bands and Britney Spears was coming out and so you had a very sexualized music industry yeah. and not that it wasn't sexualized before but you know in the 90s where hip-hop was you know really kind of making its making its um okay to be raunchy kind of yeah but it was it was it was baggy pants it was baggy mm -hmm. it was everything was just and then it just became you know sex in a can and that was the algorithm and they really pushed that yeah. so i think that really you know 
Yeah, it used to be like really grungy, it and then it turned be, really like poppy, it right? Used to like be really grungy. We went from like Linkin Park to like Britney Spears, uh, or Linkin, Linkin Park, Park to. Hey, I'm still saying the cranberries. Okay? Backstreet, like, oh, the cranberries. Oh, oh, the cranberries. Atlantis more set. We were we had like but that's angry the, women. Jagged, that's <laughs> right. That was that was the era. Like so angry what women. What is the cranberries? Jagged little pill Ooh. will always go down. As oh come favorite. on, we gotta go on a journey. We'll do a lesson later. So Daniel, coming from a small town to the big city of Atlanta, what kind of lessons learned did you have? So coming from a small town, and I just want to kind of break down what a small town meant, because I think a lot of people can be, oh, you know, a couple of red lights. I was from a small town. It did not get any smaller than Chickamauga. Everybody knew everybody. There was one red light in the whole town. I mean, it was small. And I grew up on a 28-acre horse farm about 45 minutes away from friends, grocery stores, uh, ballparks, just where I kind of spent most of my life. How'd so, y'all have internet? Hmm? How'd y'all get internet out there, child? Back in the day. Hope and prayer. Let me tell you. <laughs> hope, hope I think prayer. there was like satellite out there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Hope satellite prayer. internet? Hope and prayer. And we were the last ones. Oh my God, that big satellite dish. Do you remember? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> so, Jeez. Um, I, spent, I don't remember. <laughs> I spent a lot of time alone on that horse farm. My sister was 10 years older than me. Mm. My parents got divorced when I was eight. Oh, wow. At the ripe old age of eight. So my I was eight. My sister was 18. So it was always the four of us. We moved in a unit. Parents got divorced. Sister moved away. And uh, my mom kept the horse farm. So it was just me. Oh, wow. On the horse farm. And so... So it was just you and your mom on a 28-acre... 28-acre horse farm. And she went wow. to work all day. And, wow. you know... 14 at, acres for each at, at nine, you know, she didn't couldn't afford daycare. My dad was still trying to figure, you know, his next move out. And um, so I just spent a lot of time alone. And uh, not alone so much, but I had horses. I had... I yeah, just, I just like had, chores. Cool, and I just had really cool childhood. things to do. Did so you, like, like, have a lot to do, though? Like, you had to run the Oh, farm, my God, right? did I have a lot to do? I was doing fence. I was bearing yeah. hay. I was riding horses. Um, I was doing horseback riding lessons. Oh, and yes, so, I, I mean, doing it all. I was doing it all. Uh, but I didn't know I was doing it all. I felt um, so bored. And then when I would go to... Uh, grocery stores, I would kind of like sneak off to the magazine section and I would just read Vogue's and all yes. of that stuff. So that, that kind of gave you me read a, what? A Vogue. Vogue magazine, oh. Harper's Bazaar. Oh, I'd always look behind like the, the cover and look at like the, the gay porn, the, the Playgirl. Well, the Playgirl and the Barnes and Noble. Men's health, baby. <laughs> I saved that for any type of like clothing department store, we would always right the underwear. The Calvin Klein bench. Which underwear? I'm getting the pack with the biggest bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Sneak that into the bathroom, but <laughs> I say that because the lessons that I have learned coming from a small town into a big town is that I remember what it was like being alone. I remember what it was like stepping in horse shit every single day. I remember what it was like to have no one, and then. I think from that, the biggest thing that I've learned was that everyone has a story. Everybody's got something to say. Um, and just being nice and kind um, will get you a really long ways. And then so moving to Atlanta where I did not fit in um, and just ch- and tried it and made, and, made, and made efforts to try. For what yeah. reasons do you not feel like you, f- you didn't fit in? Were you, when, and also, when did you lose your weight? Because we have that in common, the weight thing. Did, were you, were, did you hold your weight after she you... She said she was slim and trim by senior year. After you grew, you were slim and trim? I was slim and trim by like okay. 17. That's when I kind got of it, shot up. It. And that's when I kind of realized how important, just for my self-esteem, because, you know, 
I had a lot of insecurities. I mean, still to this day, I have insecurities about my weight, my body. Right. I'm not smart enough, tall enough, yeah. thin enough, don't drive the nicest car. I mean, you name it. That 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 kind of mantra that you have to like subscribe yeah. to before you even realize you're subscribing to it. Absolutely. Be nice to people, be kind to people, reach out to people that are in need. If you feel disenfranchised, you know, it's really important to get those people with you and then you can start to kind of create your own tribe so yeah that's beautiful you know it's interesting hearing people when they move to atlanta from bigger city from smaller cities to here it's like it can be like a shock to them almost like wow this is a mm-hmm. lot would you like and i know you've talked in here about how like your self-esteem could be affected by that kind of stuff do you have any personal like stories about when you felt kind of like an outsider this is, yeah like an outsider yeah. when you got to atlanta once you tried to settle into a new life here um, did I ever feel like an outsider? Yeah, I felt like an outsider. I felt like when I moved into Atlanta, people were always trying to put me in a box. Mm-hmm. And I never fit into any box, but I fit into all the boxes. So it was constantly like this, are you a jock? Are you, um, are you a... a Gonna dance and party, a, a twig? right? Are you, are, <laughs> are you rugged? Are, are you, you a party boy? Are you masculine? Yeah. Are you athletic? Yeah. Are you, how much money do you have? And... What I learned moving to Atlanta, which I was really surprised about, is that people were still falling into this kind of archaic trap. Even as gay men, we are still trying to label and put somebody in a box because it's a lot easier once you kind of can pinpoint them to one certain type of prototype. It's a lot easier for you to kind of build a narrative around them. Yeah, yeah. And then my experience where I would go out and I would make friends and I would be, I would be desperate for friends like anybody is, you know, I really would, you know, go out and make friends. And what I always realized is that the friendships would always start as friendships and then they would try to like linger into something else. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I wasn't sexually interested in somebody, it was like, you're a bitch, blah, blah, blah. And then the whole friend group would hop on it. And I'm like, okay, well, let me cross them out. Yeah. You know, because I'm the bad guy, you know, because, I don't want to, you and, know. Right, and now that you have bl- bad blood with one of them, now that whole group. And now the whole group is gone. And yeah. I have always been the scapegoat for everything. And I normally, not normally, I mean, I did try to fight it and my feelings would get hurt. Yeah. But I learned very early on that that's going to happen regardless. I can't control that. And you just got to keep it moving and keep it going. So that's why my tribe and my circle has gotten so small. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It it is. It it is is beautiful. And at 32 years old, you know, I've got three friends and there's nothing wrong with that. Because when I see people that, that travel in packs of, you know, 10 at minimum, you know, at minimum, that's too many people. uh, Thank you. And then a, a, you know, plugging my favorite artists or one of them, you know, Taylor Swift, she said, if you're a friend to all, you're a friend to none. Yep. And, you know, it just, I never really took part in the cattiness. I'm all about, you know, cracking a joke at someone Mm -hmm. for a comedic expense, but it's never in a place of malice or bad intent, you know? And so I just was always like, I don't subscribe to this. This is bullshit. Y'all know this is bullshit. Y'all are unhappy. The hottest people I know are the most insecure. Yep. And, um, so my biggest thing I learned was just be nice. That's so important. I think it is interesting that it is, it's hard to be nice. Meaning I think that you, you realize you have to go through a lot of people who don't see that in you Mm -hmm. until you finally start to find those people. Well, everybody, like learn it. Everybody paints me. I mean, everybody's perception of me. I mean, they, they, we will get to like a month into it. They're like, God, you're really smart. 
oh God, you're, you're really sweet. Or you're really funny. And it's like, you know, you're not just, you know, a good looking guy. Like you've got a lot. You're, you're very... Shocking. You're, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> oh, like, oh my I'm God, like, I'm not just... <laughs> and I'll just sit there and I'm just... And, and it's to the point now where it's just like, uh, thank, thank you. Uh, all right, humble, I remember, humble brag. I remember... I mean, humble brag, but <laughs> no, but it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. You were going to laugh at this. So three years ago, we were at a pool party together. And I remember seeing her from afar with a bunch of other like pretty people. And I was like, child, this is another one of those people who just thinks they're better than everyone or whatever. And I don't know where I was with someone she knew, I guess. She comes up, she was like, bitch, you are working in those trunks, honey. And I was like, oh, she's it. She's the moment. She's fine. That is so Daniel. And having misconceptions about people can really ruin things. But I was like, oh, this this is cute. This is T. I never saw her again until recently. But still, Mm -hmm. that like had a lasting impression of me. Because a lot of people are assholes when you meet them. But And Dante, that your judgment of him didn't hurt him. It hurt you. It, it it kept you from being his friend. Yeah. To a degree, right? Mm-hmm. So Because really I would not have not... approached him. I wouldn't right. have approached him. Because you labeled him already to the point where mm-hmm. it was so negative. There's like, oh, but I don't even want to talk to him. Well, damn it, what? Not bad, Zach. <laughs> but <laughs> I just said she, but if you think she's, about pretty, it, she's it's, a pretty person. We put a mental construct. I felt like we yes. learned a lot. I still feel like, I think like I'm going to be quoting Avery and the concepts from um, our trans episode. If you really look at someone and don't, don't allow the physical to give you all the initial cues, right? Mm-hmm. And really be open to them. We'd yeah. be a lot better off. For sure. Instead of saying, oh, they're a bear. Where they're with other bears. They probably like these sort of things. They like this kind of music. Like, you're assuming yeah. all these things. And that person may be the most femmy person that loves ballet. That, that person you know, could like whatever, potentially you know? change your life. Not yes. only as, regardless of dating or not, but, I mean, you know, just like going back to what you said, like you looking at me and sizing me up and then not giving me the opportunity you know, Bennett, you just said that doesn't hurt you, but really it it doesn't hurt me personally, but it, it hurts that type of, I mean, we could have had a great connection. Right, really? And, and exactly. You could have been there for me at a time when things were really going down or, or vice versa, you know? So you really kind of, you fast forward through that and you're mm-hmm. like, I could be a really good friend, yeah. but I'm used to it now. And yeah. so now it just comes with the territory and it's, you know. I also think it hurts the community as a yeah. whole. It hurts the community as a whole, but the whole community is in on it. Whether, they, yep. whether they're on one side they of are. it or the other side. Yeah. Well, I've gotten better about it now, child. I love Miss Daniel. She's a, all that and a bag of chips, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's, let's talk a little bit about um, dating in the big city and as a gay person. Any thoughts about that or advice you give to some of our younger dolls that are listening? So dating in Atlanta is tough. Um, dating in Atlanta is tough. And I'm not exactly sure why, because we have a really condensed gay community here. But what I have learned is that people's egos are just through the roof mm-hmm. these days. And I will see the same people sitting at Blake's and Ten with the same tribe that they went to They won't speak to anybody. They won't go up to anybody. They won't ever kind of begin that dialogue. And, um, and that's a real disservice, you know, just to just, I've I've never seen a community, especially the older I've gotten, just really kind of be so out and in the scene, but never connecting, connecting and inclusive. And that's why this podcast and that Q and a that, you know, we, first started a couple of years ago was so crucial because you really saw the want and the need for yeah. a product like that to, or not even a product, but an experience like that to tell your story. You know, one of the things <clears throat> I've always enjoyed about going out with you is that it's very evident to me that you are someone who lives that meaning. Um, 
I'll never know who you'll know at a bar, but I can always guess that it's not who I think it's going to be. Absolutely. It's not always going to be this pretty person, that pretty person. It might be this interesting man over here, this interesting girl over here. And you're, you've known them for years. You're chatting them up, talking. And I think that's a really important part of the opportunity that presents. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. clearly take it. And it is the sad that many of us don't. Well, there's also, those friendships are genuine. There's no pity. There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not being your friend because I feel sorry for you. I'm your friend because you have given me the opportunity to be your friend. Yeah. And when I do go out and Helmet, you've been out with me. I mean, it is, it's very surface, you know, and it's a very, um, Hey, how are you? How are things as you kind of snake through yeah, the I've, large crowd? I've come to hate that. When you right? first, I can't stand it. it makes, when you first get to the city, everyone's trying to say hi to you from like, I want to get to the <clears> kind of thing. And it's fun and it's cute in your network, yep. right? Once you actually learn who you really like and don't like, it is so annoying when you are actually trying to talk to someone. Right. And then like people just keep passing by and it's just like this quick, hey, oh my God, how have you been with them? And then, I didn't even mean it. Like, keep walking, please. Yeah, and then they go back to yeah. like being normal. Like, being, like don't waste my time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will agree with you. It is super clicky. I've actually heard Atlanta's one of the most clicky cities along with, I've heard Washington, D.C. as well. Child, I thought we was clicky. You go any of these damn gay cities. Orlando all, is no. one of the only exceptions. San Francisco is very inclusive for me. In my point of view, and Orlando, when I went there, I was blown away. I really was because their gay scene isn't even that big. Oh no, big, but, not, no Disney gays. Uh, they're, and they're not. That's I don't another do thing. Gay, I don't that's do another Disney thing. Gays. Being there, you really don't see that many Disney gays at their <laughs> gay. So, I don't do the Disney. Gays. I know we touched on this before. I I actually do think that you don't everyone cut me off about my Orlando story. I feel honey. like everyone I've talked to from different cities thinks that their city's very, very clicky. I think it is a... No, I've heard this from outsiders about Atlanta. This thing is just bulk, just gonna cut me out of my little story, honey. He doesn't care. Show don't. He don't care. He didn't even notice he did it. (laughs) I was in the whole middle of a story. Oh, Orlando? (laughs) Yes! Oh, okay, tell us about Orlando. Chat, what I was saying. I I just wanted, I just, I, I just thought it was... We just assume that next caller. So we were talking about it, and I said, (laughs) you know, most cities in the United States, from what I've seen, are very clicky, at the exception Mm -hmm. of Orlando, surprisingly, because they really don't have an abundance of gay clubs, kind of like how we have here. Like, there's just really a few spots to go to. But when you go, it was, it was. I went there for the first time. I was like, this is fucking weird to me. I keep using honesty and profanity. Um, It is so weird to me because everyone was so warm. Like, people, like you bumping into someone acting, they're like, oh my god, how are you? And I'm like, oh, this is weird. People, random people. Just buying you shots. Everyone's kind of like congregating, jumping from conversation to conversation. It's like a network, and they all kind of know each other, and they all really, really, really love each other. Yeah. Like even yeah. down to the drag queens, everything is just so well put together, yeah. and that community there is one of the most admirable. Did. I almost moved to Orlando because of literally just their gay scene. I actually, so... I went to Pulse uh, before the shooting, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great community. They have a few friends there. Love them. So uh, just really quickly, let me say this um, about the clicks in Atlanta. It is also your job to strike up the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, they might be clicky, and yes, they might be in their own groups, but I cannot tell you how many times I have walked up to someone and offered to buy them a drink in the middle of a pack of their best friends and just how um, well-received it was. Yeah. So, yes, but... Baby, if it's... you buy me a drink, I'm going to be well-receiving, too. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, yes, right. yes. Be- because just because you're a part of a pack doesn't yeah. mean that right, you, right, as right. an individual, you know, because it's kind of a comfort, like, a, it's a blank comfort. It's blank, a right? comfort, because they're sure is not going to do it, but right. you 
are in it too, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. It slices both ways. But dating wise, why do you think it's so hard? I have my I have my opinions. I think Atlanta um, is one of the most transient cities. A lot of people come and go, they come here for a job, six months, a year, a couple years, and then they go back. I also feel like a lot of people in general, I don't know if it's this is an Atlanta thing, aren't necessarily looking for a relationship. And if they are, they're always looking for the next best thing. They're looking for toxic relationships. Right. Tea. I have no idea why people in Atlanta do not date. I have right? had friends for years, never date, never even remotely interested in one person. They will just, I'll tell you what it is, point blank. It's the damn dating apps is what it is. Uh -huh. yeah. Everybody is so scared to go up and talk to and I just have never really had that problem. But I even dating go, apps, doesn't it make it easier to date? No. Baby, yeah. you use them apps as supposed to, but how many people message you back after you match with them? Yeah. One out of every 75. Well, can't relate, Dante. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Can't, no. Um, but in, in all serious, though, I, I don't know why people don't date. Because I, I will ask them, I'm like, are you dating anyone? No. I mean, you've been single for... You've been single for 10 years. You've been single for that five years. You've been single for seven years. You know, I mean, maybe that's not on your radar. Maybe you, you just have trust issues. But I, for the life of me, do not know yeah. why people do not date. And it's like, I get it. You're trying to work on yourself, give you a, a year. But like 10 years single? You know, I will say this. I think that... Um, I think 10 that years? It, it, to work on yourself? Don't you get shit to do? And you're still at Blake's every night? Who are you bringing to Thanksgiving, honey? Wanna, let me say this because finish. one thing we I need to finish. be... I was trying to say something. Okay. I really do think that, um, I think that if it, if it takes someone 10 years, the reality is, is we don't know someone's trauma. We don't know someone what they've been through. And I think a lot of people come up to Atlanta. I really do think they do from different backgrounds and not everyone's is, is a great experience or has confidence or whatever. Um, and they are. They struggle through apps that don't necessarily connect people well. They have bad dates. They do, you know, and they kind of get jaded by the experience. But in reality, in a good way, I think that dating is ultimately to find a partner, right. like to find someone to hang out with. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. I think it's legit. I think some people don't date because <clears throat> they don't see anyone that they want to date. Like they don't, they have a certain standard. Out of the standard, whole community. You know? I think the whole possible. fucking community. I'm just saying, there's gotta be. <laughs> like nobody in this whole fucking city you can't find a date. Also, You're but insane. That's crazy. I'm just saying they're, That's crazy. I'm just saying, or they're not ready. I'm not, I'm not saying. So I'm everybody's just, broken and nobody can find no, anybody okay, in the So what, what we can't do is just mark, like put everyone all, into a damn box. All types of boxes. People have priorities and some people's priorities simply aren't settling down. People, Their priorities exactly. have. People have priorities. And they're they enjoying their lives. Years. There is nothing wrong with, with not dating. Being single. There's nothing wrong with it. You can figure yourself out. You can figure what you like. You can figure what you don't like. And I'm not talking about being in a monogamous relationship. I am just talking simply about walking up to someone and it not being a one-night stand. Yeah. Yes. Because deep down, everybody wants, in, in my circle, they are actively pursuing it, but they're not... They're not getting anywhere. They're they're mm -hmm. out they're out on the clubs all night, and the people and, and no shame into anyone that is out in the club. I was a bartender forever. Um, no disrespect, but if you could just try to walk up to somebody, yeah. strike up a conversation, have something genuine from the start. 
you know, what and, do they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different thing, result? Like, result. okay, well, you're going into the club I every mean, night. Just you're doing try like, to walk up no, to someone that you don't know and well, say hello. Hamusi me do it, I and if they shut that. you down, then they're an well, asshole and never speak to them again. And remember, but, you, but no one's given anyone a chance. That's my biggest takeaway, and why people aren't dating. They're scared of rejection. They hide behind the apps. They'll do a one night stand, and it's just that kind of like that cycle. And also, like Bennett said. It's always for the next best thing. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I've been very fortunate to have a successful relationship. And, um, you know, some people just aren't that lucky or don't put themselves out there. Fuck, I don't fucking know what it is. Well, I think also the, the fact that we're saying the club, the club's not the only way to socialize, it's right? Not. So we've boxed ourselves into that. Whereas, <laughs> right, you know, join a, join, a, oh. join a... Pull one like that. So, yeah, join a, a, a softball club, right? Like, uh, oh no, yes. that's not true. I played, we are not lesbian. No, listen. As, as a <laughs> former as a former softball player, I played on the um, the Gateland softball league for four or five years, and I was like, oh, you know, that'll give me a great opportunity to yes, meet somebody. Balls. Uh, yes, or balls. Yes, friends. Or friends. Well, everyone yes, was like balls. thirty years older than me. So when we 30? would go, oh, I, I was I was a sp- chicken baby when I was out there. How was that? Well, you're like twenty. It really is. That don't sound uh-huh. safe. <laughs> yeah. What if they get hit by one of them balls? You know, all people bruise that last for a lot longer. And than the us. hips. Oh, I played in high school. Dante honey. doesn't like to I, go outside. I'm not, honey. I'm not new to this. <laughs> Tell the truth. I'm, I'm really not new to this. Bruised. I'm true to this. But you know, just kind of finding something on that kind of basic interest level. I like a wine club, a candle making club. A, a, kiki, a kiki night. You know uh, what? No. I will ask though, for you, when you first got to Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, what would you say was the most difficult part of dating for you in particular? Like, what roadblocks and obstacles did you face when you were trying to find your piece of something? Uh, so, I never really had a problem finding a piece of anything. I always, oh. I always kept oh. finding a piece. But... <laughs> All right, now, child. I will ask though, for you, when you first got to Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, what would you say was the most difficult part of dating for you in particular? Like, what roadblocks and obstacles did you face when you were trying to find your piece of something uh so i never really had a problem finding a piece of anything i always, oh. I always kept oh. finding a piece but <laughs> all right now child but i dead ass though uh, de- dead ass though <laughs> i was young and just coming from chickamauga going to school in savannah and then finally seeing people walking around with like pink hair yada 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 and so it was just like it was in i was in heaven i saw people with tattoos and then when I got to Atlanta, it wasn't necessarily a problem dating, but I just was not ready. I was a hot mess. I was just caught up in the scene and not really making the best choices. And then so I, I would try to date people that had their shit together. And they were just like, you've got a lot of life to figure out. And so I didn't necessarily want to date in my younger years mm-hmm. because <clears throat> there's a lot of growth and questions and answers that you have got to really figure out you know who am i what man do i want to become shit i'm still figuring that out and i'm 32 years old you're doing a damn good job honey well i i try um the question was how what were my experiences like coming from atlanta and dating yeah dating well i always dated people from from out of state so i would either do like brazil miami brazil Yeah. Girl, what you doing with somebody on the other side of the equator? Well, <laughs> don't even. Yeah, well, that'll be for another podcast. Shall uh, right? <laughs> remote dating. It's a be fun for another one. Podcast, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just never felt like anyone. A dose of D. A dose of D. Let me tell you. A dose of D. A dose of long D. Stuff, I mean. <laughs> 
Um, in terms of distance. Long distance. Okay, capital <laughs> D. But, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it was, you know, my insecurities, you know, I'm, I was always trying to be somebody that I thought that other people would like instead versus of Versus just yourself. Versus, uh, you know, who I am now. And so now if I want to walk around with my hair in a towel after the shower, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, and people okay. just, or if I want to listen to like, if I want to watch Set It Off, or my my references are so kind of like vast, and it uh-huh. just has taken certain people to really kind of get that because I would make these jokes, crack these jokes, and the only person I think that who thinks that it's funny is my mother because she's the exact same way. She's hilarious. Well, I think she is. Um, and that's all that she's matters. The only person that, that's exactly like me is my mom, who's she's also hilarious. And she's, all, <laughs> and she, and she's, and she's also hilarious, but we have the same like references um, that's amazing and um you know just to sit there and to just kind of sit with someone at the dinner table that's just so square so granola yeah. it was just like yawn um that's why you do martinis you have three you, everything starts to feel good yeah so the, uh, hello daniel martini oh, do, do you for real like martinis or you, is that a is that a dirty martini with kettle one vodka okay all right wait that's not terrible that's like if you if your name is levi you have to wear levi's not necessarily uh, don't, don't 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 bring levi's into this okay? uh, you know for anyone listening if you're familiar with daniel martini just from being in atlanta we all know you as a realtor for the most part so mm-hmm. how did you get into real estate because you said bartending for all this time so how did we go from like wait Gay realtor? Gay. Groundbreaking. What? Oh my god. <laughs> Daniel the realtor. I had <laughs> the realtor. I had Atlanta's someone, premier realtor. Oh my god, I had someone the other day that hit me up and they were like, I really want to talk to you about real estate. So I get there and I bring my listing presentation. I've got all these calendars made out and um and then they were like, Well, I'm really thinking about getting into the real estate business. I'm like, God <laughs> damn, another another <laughs> gay real estate agent. <laughs> but honestly though, there is enough business out there for everybody so everyone can hop in. Just stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> he's like, like a I, party. he's like, I deal with luxury. Stay out of it. <laughs> but um, the luxury. Real so I will tell you a little right. bit about just kind of my um, past jobs, because good God, I've had a thousand of them. So I hopped around from from industry to industry. Um, I was uh, a server. At every restaurant you could think of. I bartended at Jungle, BJ's. Oh, you did? Ten, yes. You used to bartend down to ten. I used to bartend down at the at ten, 10. <laughs> on the back patio. At the X. Before it was X. The X. Before they had a bar outside. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was that yeah. back when it was a what before was it, a, a shit got place. weird. At <laughs> before 10. the wall cut out, they had the lights under the bar and stuff. Before child, shit got weird at ten. Uh huh. <laughs> and then so I somehow, by the grace of God, got into leasing apartments and then so okay. i was i can see that just not really happy but i was really good at selling myself i selling feel like a, we were apartment locators at the same time <laughs> we were apartment locators at the well uh, was it on at bank a different bank? yeah company so uh, a leasing agent oh you you were a leasing agent i was a leasing agent That's what oh, you I just worked said, at, mama. no i worked at a locator as a locator yeah 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 no um <laughs> no. so um so i was doing that and it was just you know, I was I was capping. I was a, a capped, and I was just like, "There's got to be something more out there for me." And then so, I started taking my real estate license, and then I was bartending at Jungle during the same time, because you know, in real estate, you know, you hop into it, and you know, all you you spent three months trying to pass a test, and you get out, and you have no money, no source of business. 
and then you hop around through all of these um, bullshit real estate brokerages that promise you the moon and the stars and they deliver you, you know, canned tuna. China, canned tuna, canned tuna not bad. The canned tuna low key is not Soup bad. Soup for the bad. family. With a little bit of uh, mayonnaise and relish. She's definitely chicken manga. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I got my real estate license and I was just in a really low place and just, it wasn't happening. I was broke. I mean, I was, I was sleeping on people's floors, you know, like I was really, like not even their couch. couch. <laughs> well, no, cause my other friend had the couch. We were in a studio apartment. Damn, they had a, oh yeah. No, the struggle was real. Everybody thinks this money just came out of nowhere. No, I worked my ass off to get where I am because Coming into Atlanta, you know, it was like the party boy scene. It was like, oh, you know, Daniel is X, Y, and Z. But none of them were like positive, mm-hmm. you know, uh, traits that people were describing me as. Um, and so um, got my real estate license and then went through brokerage to brokerage. And then finally, I was in the, the right outfit, hopped in the right conversation at the right time okay. with the right gentleman. And he was like, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm bartending right now. I just got my real estate license. And he was like, well, why don't you come work for me? And it turned out to be the owner. And I just thought this guy was just, you know. Another one of those people. Another one of those people. Mm -hmm. So I never took it seriously and got his card. And then we met for um, coffee, I think, like a month after that. And he just changed my career. And... I cannot say enough good things about him. And it was just that guy that saw a person who had what it took. And potential. It just needed a little bit of coaching and a little bit of direction. I love that. I love those stories because it literally, one conversation can change your whole life. One conversation. And and that is why it's so important to put yourself out there. Yes. Put yourself out there. You don't have to date them, but my God, just like... You know, if like I play tennis, I love tennis. You, you, you know, going up to somebody and then somehow it go, gets on the topic of my idol, Serena Williams and or Venus Williams. Y'all bitches love to be outside. Every example is under the sun. I that's, that's, there are a lot of gays like him. <laughs> there are a lot of them, I live including to be outside. But I grew up on a horse farm there. Outside is all I yeah. When I'm inside, I'm like, oh, baby, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I spent my summers on farms, and you know what, bitch? Um, <laughs> I was like, get me out of here. When I finally was old enough to say I don't want to go to South yeah. Carolina for the summer, I did it. So Daniel, if you were to define now looking forward, what are your what are your most important goals? What kind of legacy would you like to leave as you think about your life here in Atlanta? Oh my gosh, that is such a loaded question. My legacy, I would like to go down with just being um, a good person, you know? And I have my moments and I try my hardest, but really kind of bringing in that kind of disenfranchised outcast and just really kind of bringing him into my circle, into my family. That's beautiful. And and making people feel heard, you know? I think that's what it's always been about. I've never been about the popular people. That lasted for about five minutes when I was hanging out with, and I cannot stand this word, but it was like the Atlanta A-gays. And it literally to this day makes me want to vomit, but... Talk about the girls with the two-bedroom apartments in the sky? I'm with three roommates. Yeah, them. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, with three roommates, them. Um, and a concierge that's never at the desk. Child. Just, just, just people that twenty-four hour think concierge. that they yes. are owed something, or are just kind of you know will look at someone and just kind of smirk. Yeah. And I'm just like you know who do you think you are? So my legacy would just to be inclusive of everybody, you know, because with 
with my boss, especially Tom Ellicott, he, he brought me on, you know, and you've got to pay it forward. And that has been my kind of motto in life is just to be as nice as you can yeah. and um, and to really help people that are in need. You know, I think that's what it's always been about. Yeah, on a, per- be, on a personal a nice person. level, I feel the same way. Like, yeah. you just want to be the best person you can. Everybody at this table has a story about how, how I wasn't the nicest person to them, but that's human, right? Like, Ooh, no. going through... Shut up. Uh, you are <laughs> such no. a bitch. I think, let me say this. I was talking about my mom, to my mom about this on the phone earlier. We are all too hard on ourselves, and we do... We take things that are perceived as negative in our lives as things we should regret and be ashamed of, when really, these are just instances that we should learn from and yeah. move on forward and prevent from happening happening in the yeah. future and it's literally that simple yeah. so if you feel like you yelled at your friend over something stupid the next time they do something that you perceive as stupid just talk to them about why right. they did that and maybe you'll get different perspective yeah. as to what they were doing and it may not be that stupid after all you just had a gross overreaction in the moment yeah for sure and then oh, i do not do hostility at all if you've got something to say say it so we can move yeah. On. Yeah. So I agree with you on a personal level and then on a, um, a professional level, okay. if you're a person who is more privileged, a white male, um, you know, somebody who could literally lift somebody up the ladder. Child, not me. Do that. You That's know what a, I mean? And, like, and that is exactly, use your privilege for good. That is exactly what I do. Yeah, but I, I will say this though, I'll give you one shot and if you don't run with it, then that's on you. But I, as someone that can, uh, has the luxury to do that now in the industry that I'm in? Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's lenders, inspectors, appraisers, (laughs) uh, Eric, who I have on right now, you know, I brought him on and he is absolutely blowing it out of the water. So shout out to Eric. We met Eric. Yeah. I, um, Eric Eric Van Destrut, you know who you are. What I have really (laughs) enjoyed. What I've really enjoyed about this, um, is that you know? It's not like your path from your twenties to your thirties were perfect. You shared with not us by a lot. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but you shared with us so much of, and I know there's more, right? The fumbles along the way, that whether it's dating, whether it's making friends, the job thing, personal insecurities too. I yeah, my I, I, I just you know finally have been able to give myself a little bit of a break, but it was. Still, like, I don't have enough deals closed. I don't have this. I don't have that. So just, yes. But but what I I feel like, Daniel, which you don't necessarily perceive, but I feel like is a perception of you from even evidence from the way Dante thought about you at Mm -hmm. that pool party, is that by you coming and sharing, um, people will look at you and potentially think, oh, he's successful. He's happy. There isn't a day that's cloudy. When indeed you kind of shared with us, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of rain. There's been a lot of tears. There's been a lot of jur- floors, you know. Absolutely. Um, and then floors. this older gay man. He was sleeping on the floor. Oh. Coming into yeah, this older gay man coming into your life at the right time and being a, a friend to you, helping you, yeah. um, uh, is awesome. And us being those people to others is the opportunity for to get to that legacy you said, which is um, to to make it better. Yeah. For being kind. To pay it forward. Um, now that we're old queens. Right. Not me. We're old uh, queens. Uh, y'all are not old. Shut the hell up saying that. <laughs> I, 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 I winked. I was Bitches turned 27 and all of a sudden did old. Where's so your game? My question to you is as we, as we wrap up, we think about just the gay community in general and how, how we're, you know, we're a queer community, right? So we also have our lesbian counterparts, our trans counterparts, bisexual, and our, and our allies. Um, what would you hope for? Um, the queer community going forward here in Atlanta. Is there some wish you'd have or something you'd like to see us do differently? Mm. 
Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I would like for everyone to just be a little bit kinder to themselves. And I would like for everyone to realize that someone's... Um, your perception of someone is based on the exterior. You know, mm -hmm. there is a lot of people that are going through a lot that you do not know about. And I wish that people were happier. You know, I wish that people wouldn't clamor to like the next best thing, whether it's material wise, friendship wise, relationship wise. I wish that people would give themselves a little bit of a break, give themselves a little bit more, um, give themselves a little bit more um, grace, credit. Yeah, give yourself a little bit more credit. <clears throat> and then also the biggest thing is that I wish people would interact more on a kind of micro level, you know. And I know that it's really hard to get a, you know, Blake's or Ten conversation going, you know, and have some real depth in there. But I wish that people would really start talking about, you know, their their problems instead of just their successes. Because mm -hmm. I think we live in this world where everything is tailored to make you the best version of yourself. And I think that that is so dangerous. And I wish that people would stop comparing themselves, especially the gay community, yes. to what they see online. You know, because even at my fittest, thinnest, um, it was why don't I look like that? Why don't I look like yep. that? And I wish that people would stop and just be in the moment as much as possible. Yeah. And it's just a, like Instagram. I always say this. Of. I always say this. Instagram is a highlight reel of, of who you are, right? It is so the best version right. of yourself so that you have cultivated. Do you well, think, not everybody. Do you think when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm behind a computer screen working away, I'm going to Instagram that? No. When I am when I gain a couple pounds, I'm going to Instagram that? No. Like, I'm going to put when I'm the, my fittest, my happiest, I my do. most athletic. When I'm crying on the bathroom floor, yeah. you know? I'm exactly. not going to put that. You, you know, like, people have got real shit that's going on. Get that shit in 4K. It'll look cute. People that have. <laughs> Couture. Avant-garde. No, but people have a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and I wish people would be a little bit more vulnerable in expressing that because you are you're curating this pre-packaged perception of everything is just fine. And when people are looking through it and scrolling through it, they see that and they're like, oh well my life is not like that. But these people have got more shit going on than you could ever realize yeah and it, it affects mental health as well. it affects mental health you know and it's and, and, and it's a cycle so we've talked about mental health a little bit on on this yeah so the whole damn episode stop comparing bit. yourself to other people be nice and be kind and be inclusive awesome thank you daniel so much thank uh we, so much. do we have a little call to kiki so this week thing? i wouldn't call this call to kiki and i'm only doing it this way because i have not been here for i think it's what three episodes show I don't know. Oh, Dante, where you been? Yeah. Yeah, Working, honey, getting these bills paid. But um, let me say this, you know, life people too often think of as a journey. And life isn't always going to be a journey for you. So stop thinking of your destination, where you're at now, and how you're going to get from point A to point B. Absolutely. Um, and I've been inspired by what you've told us today. Think of life as an environment. and You want to make the best of your environment. You want to nurture it. What things do you need for other things to happen while you're there? Stop thinking so far ahead into the future and stop thinking and letting your past hold you back from living in your present. When you start to neglect the present and you neglect who's in the present, what's in the present, what you're doing in the present, what jobs are there in the present, you begin to neglect yourself and you will be the downfall of your own. 
mind, body, and spirit if you really don't just pay attention to that. And just, and, and it's a I, brilliant. It just, try to like, I mean, you don't have to completely let go of the past. The yeah. past is your past. But make peace with it and don't carry it to every conversation that you're going to have in the future, every job opportunity yes. that you're going to have in the future. Let shit go. Let yes. your past be your foundation, let not your the walls pa- in your let, house. Let your past be your foundation yes. and be in the moment. Stop looking forward. Stop looking to your left. Stop looking to your right. Look in, head down and get and make shit happen. Period. Yeah, and the, the um, I, first of all, I went. I feel like I went to church today. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah, baby! Uh, Want to do it? Um, what, I, to be what, I, what I also, what I love about what you share with us, and even what you did with, here with the Kiki, is you know the this journey of developing a gay lifestyle is a journey. And it's beautiful that you said it's it's also the importance of enjoying where you are. The environment what, of it all. What I love, though, is that there is an improvement over the trajectory of the life of Daniel, as there will be for any of our dolls. Mm-hmm. And so... You and know, ups and downs. Right. It's not just up. Right. Sometimes you're going to have to... For every up. peak, baby, there is a valley. There is. But I think that going along the journey, learning it and enjoying it fully along the way, what a better way to live, right, than, yeah. to, than to do that. Get a range over just like Daniel, honey. Let me tell you, yeah. do things the right way, girl. <laughs> well, let me tell you something it took a lot of crying on the bathroom floors to get to where i'm at today because everybody told me i wasn't going to make it everyone put doubt not only in me but just my abilities oh like you, you know you don't have what it takes you don't have what it takes and um it's not always going to be a success you will have to take those failures, learn from them and don't, you know, don't let them, don't let, don't let those failures build up a wall that will not let you move forward and like, you know, yeah. Yeah, Take risks, fail, but keep it moving. You, 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 you cannot be stationary. You have got to keep it moving regardless Period. keep it moving thank you daniel thank for you. joining us today Yay. also don't forget to follow us at the gay on all social media channels you can find us at the if you're using a url baby and don't forget to subscribe and review us on anywhere you listen to podcasts see you soon bye Dante. bye <laughs> <laughs> give us a little plug honey